Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, I'm Alex Renneman from Unleashed Tiger, and I'm here with Ben Hanlon running for uh, House Delegates 48th District. Ben, thanks for coming on the program. Absolutely, Alex. Thank you for having me. For sure. Hey, let's start off right now just kind of explaining to the folks what it is you think is the role of a House Delegates member. Well, I mean, the House of Delegates is the first branch of our state government um, where we begin the process of creating laws for the state, as well as appropriating money similar to how they do um, in Congress in D.C., yeah. So why have you chosen to run for the office? Well, I mean, I care deeply about, you know, the 48th district in West Virginia as a whole. Um, I'm a long time, you know, family. I mean, my family's been in this state for a very, very long time. Um, actually, you know, my great grandfather um, ran a grocery store in Grafton out your way um, really? for many, 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 many years. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, look, I mean, I grew up with a father who kept me involved in adult conversations about, you know, you know, the direction we were going, local politics. Um, and, and it's just kind of in my blood and I, and I care deeply and I want to move us forward. So. Yeah, that's great. So share with us a, a time, a role, a challenge, something in your experience that, that you feel has helped prepare you, at least in part, for the role as, as a uh, 48th district member. Okay. I mean, I've, I've gone through a lot in my life, you know, to be honest, um, went through a lot of trials and tribulations like many of us do. Um, I feel like a lot of those have, you know, prepared me to become a leader. Um, you know, I spent some time, you know, the first summer back from college taking care of, you know, my brother who uh, fell into alcoholism. Um, and, you know, I've kind of seen addiction firsthand, you know, just had a lot of life experiences um, that has prepared me, I think, to lead us um, and to face a situation that current situations that we are facing here today in this state. Yeah. So what can you share recently um, that you've done in the community that might help kind of show people that, that you're out there getting it done and this is, this is a natural progression for you to be able to help your district as a delegate member? Right. Um, well, I mean, I uh, have been very involved um, at the party level um, as far as developing messaging and uh, things of that nature, going out, um, talking to people already um, in the capacity of, you know, being an associate member of the Republican Executive Committee here in Harrison County, um, listening to them. I mean, I feel like that's a very important role as a delegate is you need to listen to people's concerns. Um, even if it's something you don't agree with, um, you need to sit down and be able to have a conversation with that person um, and kind of just talk it out. I mean, I have a really good friend of mine. I mean, we don't agree on a lot politically. Um, but I mean, we sit down and we have civil conversations and I don't think we've ever walked away mad. You know, we, we try to, we try to break down, you know, what it's about, um, you know, and, and the different aspects, you know, of why we believe what we believe. And sometimes we can see eye to eye. Sometimes we just don't. And then we move on. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, I'm ready to start listening. I'm ready to start talking to people. I'm ready to start taking their concerns to Charleston. Yeah, that civil discourse is so important. Hey, so if you're elected, what's your strategy for a sex successful term or how would you define uh, success? Well, I mean, we have a lot to do um, here in West Virginia, I think at the state um, level. 
and you know a lot of the things I want to focus on and and I honestly being part of those conversations like I mentioned earlier with my father I mean like you know I think back to the time that I wasn't necessarily alive but I mean you hear about this time where we had a lot of you know glass factory jobs we had um, you know a lot of just manufacturing jobs um, and my big push would be to bring those manufacturing jobs back to the hardworking West Virginians in the 48th district um, simply because those are good paying jobs and once you have those good paying jobs in place um, people can begin to take pride again in taking you know care of their family um, and then once you have that that's also going to feed your small business so it's just you know a big circular you know motion and I, I think we need that to happen and we need to happen we need that to happen now um so i mean that would be be my big push um would just be jobs and, and that involves a lot of different things as well i mean such as you know we need broadband um you're familiar with that topic you know we're, we're seeing some success with that now in this area and i think that needs to expand i think we need to keep you know pushing forward with that so yeah so um, how oh, go ahead yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, everything connects. I mean, even whenever you're looking at like the opioid epidemic, I mean, you know, you have good paying jobs um, for people and they're not going to end up, you know, possibly, you know, falling into that depression. Um, I mean, I want to empower people. And, and I feel like that's what we could do um, if we could bring the jobs back to our area. So. Yeah, it makes sense. So what, you know, we, we talk about on this program all the time that for a republic to be healthy and thriving, the public has to be engaged and and involved and, and understand what's happening in their government. And so, um, being a, a you know a, a delegate potentially, what is it that you would ask the citizens of the 48th district in order to help you be successful and achieve these goals? Well, I mean, again, reach out. You know, I'm, my my information's out there. Um, my email's out there. I have a Facebook page. It's very active. Shoot me a message. My, my phone number and, and everything's on that Facebook page. I mean, reach out, let's talk, let's have a conversation and uh, let's figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I really that. feel like their voice um, empowers me to go to Charleston and, and make the changes that need to happen. That's really how it's supposed to work, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hey, so we have a oodles list of challenges in our region and across the state. But, right. but we also have some opportunities. So what can you, what, what do you think are our biggest opportunities as, uh, as a state? As a state, I mean, we have a tremendous amount of opportunity um, as far as, you know, we have good tourism. Um, you know, we, we could make some improvements there. We have uh, just good people. I mean, good people all around. I mean, really good people who really want to look out for each other and, you know, pick ourselves up. And I think our potential is endless. I, I truly do. Um, it's, it's absolutely endless. We can become a thriving state again, and I want to see that happen. Yeah, that's awesome. So we do have challenges though, right? So we have yes. those things in our way. What, what, are, what are our biggest challenges, you think? Well, obviously the opioid ep epidemic. Um, and I think, and you know, Amy Summers, the majority leader, has spoken about this a little bit. And I think we need to start tackling that in, in more of a uh, proactive manner. Um, I mean, honestly, we need to look at reforming certificate of need. Um, cle clearly, there's a need. You know, you just take a drive around, you know, you know, Clarksburg. You'll see that there's a need to bring more uh, mental health facilities on the local level um, to provide help. I and mean, we have a lot of mutual aid societies, is what I would call them, that are out there right now, um, helping people, which is great. You know, some people that's all they're going to need. You know, but there's a lot of people who need further help with medical professionals, um, psychiatrists, psychologists. 
And I think we need to open up our area to have boots on the ground and, and not be driving them out of state. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of common sense things we can do like that um, to really, you know, try to tackle. I mean, we have to. I mean, these are, I mean, we honestly, we, we need to save as many as we can from, you know, the dark shadow of what is the opioid epidemic. Yeah, indeed. You know, vectoring from one uh, epidemic to another, a pandemic, um, right now we're in the middle of COVID-19. And as of recording, we, we currently, we, we have yet to have a death of, of COVID-19 in West Virginia. Thank goodness. It's probably a matter of time, unfortunately. Um, but we don't know what this is going to become. So, you know, it's, it's hour by hour, day by day here. But, but while we're talking on, on this, this recording day, what, what is it when you look at the position of a delegate in our state and, and over, our, over the district, the 48th district, um, you're, you're seen as a leader. So what is it do you think would be the role or what would be your strategy to, to help us prepare better um, or, or mitigate once things begin, uh, like, like a pandemic or weather disasters or other things that are coming and going? I mean, it's, unfortunately, there's always something coming, um, some better or, or worse than others, of course. But, but can you can just kind of explain a little bit your strategy of how, as a leader, you would, uh, you would help either, again, prevent or potentially mitigate in the midst of something like that? Well, I mean, you have to have a lot of community outreach. I mean, you, you got to reach out to the people. You got to, you know, give them the facts. You got to give them the information straight. Um, and, and you got to ask them. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do in this current situation that's going to make things better. I mean, one of them being, you know, stay at home. You know, easy job. Wash your hands. Uh, take the appropriate precautions. Um, so that we can slow the spread or maybe even prevent the spread. I mean, you're not, not going to get it. If you're, if you're at home and you're taking the appropriate precautions, you're not going to get it, then you're not going to pass it to a loved one. I mean, I, I feel like a, we have a, a very older generation um, in our state. Um, they're very vulnerable. Um, and we have a lot of people with underlying conditions in this state, and they're very vulnerable. So, I mean, I think we, we need to just tell the truth, come out, tell the people, you know, look, you, you might get it and it might not be a you know a big deal for you, but if you get it and then pass it to somebody else, um, I mean, they can die. Um, so I think, you know, we need to reach out and we need to have a lot of communication, um, straight communication um, with the people. And I think as a delegate, um, the leadership role really falls into appropriations. I mean, that's, that's what we're there for, um, to appropriate the money, um, to make sure that the money is there for disaster relief. And, you know, the executive can then take the, the appropriate actions to um, to uh, alleviate and uh, tackle the problem. Yeah, makes sense. So, um, as you know, we polled the the citizens for questions to ask in, and so here's a, kind of a list as we go through some of more issue based type questions. One of them is revolves around school choice. That's a fairly popular one. Lots of conversation right. over the last couple of years about that. What is your strategy, or, or what do you think is the best strategy for West Virginia around school choice? Well, I mean, honestly, I think, uh, you know, we, we put it to the local level, to um, the local board of education, so they can make appropriate decisions for their community. And I, I'm a big proponent of having, you know, a lot of things at the local level. I would love to see town halls again, where people come together, you know, and kind of decide as a community what they want, and then move forward on it. Um, I look at school choice a little differently, I think, than a lot of people. Um, my daughter is dyslexic. Um, we've been very blessed, you know, where we are to have good teachers and teachers who want to try to tackle problems and help her. But as a parent who's dyslexic, um, I see, you know, charter schools in the Pittsburgh area that are, you know, specifically geared towards children, you know, like my daughter, from beginning to end, they're getting the appropriate help that they need and the appropriate lesson plans um, and so forth. I mean, in a and it's nothing, again, it's nothing, you know, um, that our teachers are necessarily going wrong. I mean, they just, they're not, you know, prepared 
to afford that much of attention to you know a person um, who has something like dyslexia or something like that. I mean, they, they're also overburdened themselves. Um, and you know, they've done a great job up to this point, but I mean, like, I think we need to look at school choice um, for more um, of the angle of helping children um, or coming, you know, having schools for children that have special needs. I, I spoke with a woman at length in the Weirton area who studied uh, dyslexia in West Virginia in general. And uh, she found that, you know, from her studies that it was pretty rampant. So, I mean, I think we could use something within this general area, um, a school that specialized in dyslexia or, 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 you know, whatever need we had to fill. Um, so kind of looking at it as like a need basis. Um, and yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think when you're looking at having businesses move here and they're looking at bringing their people with them, um, there's a lot of things they're going to look at. And I, I feel like school choice is one of those things. Like they're going to look at and say, well, you know, I'm in, you know, this state here that has a great school. I love, you know, where my children are going to school. Then I can look at West Virginia. Then I can look at Ohio, you know, and Ohio's got everything that I want that West Virginia has, but they also have this, you know, they also have, you know, I can transfer my kid to like, you know, the school um, that I, I really like, it's, you know, as a parent, those are important decisions. Um, and, and I kind of feel like uh, it, it would make us a little bit more competitive um, across state lines when people are looking for a place to move their business or to grow the business that they have here. So, yeah. Makes sense. Um, I think we, we probably already know kind of where you stand on this because you mentioned it earlier, broadband. That's another issue for a, a lot of folks. I mean, some of us are fortunate enough. I mean, you and I have a fairly clear connection today. But some folks uh, live then maybe just a, a little bit away from either one of us and have no connection or or broadband, but it's really not. So um, what, what can you speak about the strategy that we should go towards in order to, to get broadband to an acceptable level across the state? Well, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of movement in place to, uh, to you know, install broadband. I mean, it really comes down to infrastructure, from what I understand, um, and, and getting over those hurdles um, with infrastructure as far as right-of-ways go. I mean, you know, someone owns the current infrastructure that you need, so you have to come up with a deal. I, and, I, and I think we need to take a look at all those situations, and we need to just make it happen. Um, we need to just remove the barriers that, you know, exist, um, make the deals that need to go down, and, and put in the infrastructure so that we can have broadband. I mean, especially in this current situation um, that we're in right now with COVID and everybody working from home, you know, like, you know, there's certain pockets where it's really good, but there's a lot of people who don't have access to information and it would be nice if they did. Um, so they could, they could get real-time information on, on the current situation and, or even have the ability to work from home, you know, and, and I think there's probably a lot of cases, I mean, more importantly, if you look at the education system right now with, you know, your children doing their schoolwork from home, I mean, I, I instantly think about all the people who don't have a good internet connection. And, you know, you know, you know again, we're, I'm fortunate. You know, we have a good internet connection. My daughter can do the schoolwork and she's ho you know, hopefully not going to fall as far behind. But it's some, there's a lot of students that won't have it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no, we definitely need to um, increase. And, and New Hampshire did it. And New Hampshire is very similar to how we are here with the hills and the terrain. Um, and from what I understand, when I, when I visited there a couple years ago, I mean, you can literally go to a cabin in the middle of the woods and have broadband access. So, I mean, we need to maybe go look at what they did in New Hampshire and make it happen here. Um, it's, it's possible and it, and it needs to happen. What about another issue that's, that's been popular over the years is marijuana on both the medical and uh, the recreational side. What do you think is the right strategy for us there? Well, I mean, I think we're, we're moving forward appropriately. 
um, with the medical. Um, I would actually like to see that you know, speed up a little bit more. I mean, I know there's some still hurdles with the banking situation. Um, it's been, there's a lot of study there. Um, there's a lot of study to, to show that in certain instances, especially with you know, cancer patients or whatever you know, you're having to suffer with, um, that it actually helps. Um, and I want you know, people who have um, you know, cancer or whatever it happens to be, I want them to have access to it. I want them you know, to do anything I can to alleviate their pain. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, my dad just passed of cancer back in 2016. And you know, it, just watching someone go through that is just, awful, awful, awful disease. Um, so I mean, medical, absolutely. We absolutely need medical. Um, as far as recreational, I, I don't know if we're there yet, Alex, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily what the people want. Um, you know, I'm all ears. I'll listen. I mean, I'll look at the way they did it in Colorado. But when it comes down to the biggest issue we need to look at in this entire situation is decriminalization. We need to change the way, you know, we kind of look at it. I mean, look at the amount of money we're spending putting people in jail. Um, and, you know, in, we, maybe we shouldn't be putting them in jail. Maybe we should be saving that money or maybe we should be providing a pathway for them to receive the help. And this isn't, I'm not just talking about marijuana, I'm talking about opioids, I'm talking about heroin. Um, and, you know, send them through a drug court, send them to where they can get rehabilitated and rejoin society. Yeah, makes sense. So here's the, what I like to call the magic legislation question. So let's say you had the magic pen, the magic piece of paper, you right. write that legislation out, gets through committee with flying colors, goes through the house, voted unanimous, goes over to the Senate, the yeah. governor signs that everything's happy. If you could write that piece of legislation, what would it be? What would you want it to be to get through that process? Well, my first question is, is where do I find this pen? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that, I mean, honestly, this is actually probably, I would say the hardest question you've asked me <laughs> because there is a, there's so many things I would like to see happen. I mean, obviously removing any of the hurdles that, you know, any, you know, businesses have for coming here or and it's not just you know, bringing businesses here, any of the hurdles to bring businesses here, any of the hurdles for the current businesses that are already located here, that have been here for years to expand and grow um, and provide opportunities. Um, so, you know, you can raise a family. I mean, this is a great place to raise a family. I mean, I, I remember when I came back in, um, you know, 2012, I, I lived in Virginia, I lived away for a little bit, and I had the opportunity to come back. And when I came over that mountain, with my daughter in the back seat, she was two, it was this overwhelming amount of joy that came over me. I was, I mean, I was going home and I, and I would love any, anything to alleviate or, you know, uh, provide an opportunity for all the other West Virginians that I know that now live in, you know, North Carolina or, or any of those places. I mean, uh, there's, we just have an endless amount of possibilities. Um, and we need to remove the hurdles that exist to create a competitive playing field for businesses that are local to thrive and to recruit businesses into our state um, such as good paying manufacturing jobs. Yeah, makes sense. So let me, you know, among the other serious questions, we asked for a lighthearted question. And yeah. uh, this one, I love this one, is uh, for what do you hold the most gratitude? Well, I am extremely grateful um, that I met the woman that I met in college and I'm still with today, happily married. It's kind of a funny story. I, I mean, I, I was in a rough spot um, at that time, you know, young trials and tribulations again. And, uh, you know, I just got down on my knees and I prayed. And, you know, I prayed, you know, God, please send me a partner, send me someone I can trust, send me someone I can love, send me someone I can, you know, a family with. And 
I mean, shortly after that, I mean, I met this woman and, and I took her out to meet my mother and, you know, we went to, uh, to uh, dinner and, and, and she left and I looked at my mom. And I said, that's, that's the one I'm going to marry. And, you know, we're still married happily today um, with a, you know, young daughter. And I mean, absolutely, I would say that that honestly is what I'm most grateful. That's awesome. That's a great story. All right. Ben Hanlon running for the 48th district. Um, we offer you the last word on this program. What it is that you would like to tell the voters of the 48th district? Hey, listen, reach out. Um, I'm extremely accessible. Um, my phone number is available on Facebook. Uh, you can reach out, send me a message on Facebook if you have any questions. Uh, you know, reach out I mean, and I'll talk to you. Uh, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Awesome. Ben Hanlon, 48th district. Thanks for coming on. And good luck. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate it.